listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 60 featuring When the Bow Breaks and Home Soil. Hi folks, this is our last Post-Atomic Horror for 2011. So enjoy it. Ending as, you know, conveniently as possible right in the middle of season one. Mm -hmm. We feel this is the best way to really deliver something somehow. Yeah, I I really wish we could go out with a bigger bang than this, because these two episodes were not good. You know, I feel like the freight, like, calling them a thud might be understood might be overstating it somehow yeah uh you know i mean i i often uh am on the record as defending season one i'm i'm the mm-hmm. guy who says you know it's not that bad it's got some good moments but then i remember you know episodes like these and i say okay you guys are right never mind yeah no this land this shit landed with a twitch the a, least impressive the least impressive sound of something touching down available a twitch a twitch didn't we didn't we establish on our other show that that's actually the evil twin of our friend Chuck? <laughs> All right, Matt, why don't you tell the people about when the bow breaks? Why don't I tell the people about when the bow breaks? Um, well, because it's terrible. But we we yeah. have committed to to summarizing all of Star Trek, so we kind of yeah, need to. All right. All right. So the Enterprise is currently orbiting the legendary planet of Magrathea. Golly. A planet of incredible artistic evolution and peace that has long been considered a myth. Partly because it was cloaked and shielded, and also partly because Earth is currently a planet of artistic evolution and peace, so who gives a shit? The people of Magrathia take Riker, Troy, and Yar down to the planet to look around and meet Deep Throat, the, uh, the X-Files one, not the porno one, who tells them his planet's sad history. Yes, Magrathia is great and everything, pinnacle of civilization and all that, but we can't have children, so could we please have some of yours, maybe? Uh, we can trade. We have all the Spider-Man hologram trading cards and a gambit. Sadly, the Federation has long evolved past the need for gambit, and so the Enterprise says no. That's fine, replies Deep Throat. We'll take him anyway. And then they kidnap Wesley, of course, and some other kids. Picard doesn't really see the problem, but now he's got a bunch of whiny parents, including Beverly, again, hanging around his office, keeping him from feeding his fish, so he should probably do something. Down on the planet, Wesley is taking charge of the children, because of course he has, and is trying to learn more about the planet. Turns out it's one of those classic Trek-era planets where a computer runs everything and the people are fun- functionally retarded. The Magrathians don't seem to care how their computer works as long as it does, much like our primitive Earth grandparents. <laughs> the children are each bundled off to separate homes where their creative individual talents are allowed to mature by giving them machines that allow them to do all their jobs more easily, signifying Gene's leathery hand in the writing process. Humanity has to struggle, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Wesley learns about the computer through his incredible hacking skills of acting, asking it questions and listening to the answers. And the Enterprise crew discovers that it is the Magrathia's shields that have rendered it sterile. So they turn that shit off, collect up their kids, and fuck off. I miss Kirk, you guys. If he was here, that computer would be scrap, and the planet would have been left to fend for itself. That's how you run a fucking star empire. Yeah, this just not... Uh... This really did feel, and both of our episodes actually this week felt very much like retreaded next or uh, original series episodes, um, but not in a good way. In, in no, they felt like if you'd taken the uh, like a next gen plot and then 
had boring people solve it. No, if you took an original series plot and then, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I meant. These characters aren't fleshed out yet. You don't have the decisive action of Kirk and Spock. Instead, you have everyone talking about their feelings and having meetings about their feelings. And what what feelings should we have about our feelings? We should really go and get the children. Uh, And as you say, uh, Beverly as the mom, again, as the token, my child, like... I mean, they do eventually give her the medical mystery to solve, the the reason these people are sterile and why they're slowly dying. But really, her primary motivation, once again, is, oh, no, my baby. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is just sad. Um, so, yeah, our, 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 uh... yeah, our good thing, bad thing. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, my good thing is uh, Riker Picard acti- <laughs> acting with the kids was actually pretty sweet. Uh, Riker's clearly the guy that all the kids on the ship look up to and like, and uh, Picard reacts to a small child demanding a hug exactly the way I would. Ah, <clears throat> uh, yes. Uh, hello, Alexandra. Yeah, they, I'm they, going to lower you to the ground now. <laughs> they had a couple of good scenes with Picard having to awkwardly deal with the, the grateful children after they come and rescue them, which is great. And and you're right, I do like that Riker is, you know, is the other guy. And and I think that was deliberate. I think it's like yeah. Picard's great at his job, but he's just not good with people. And that's yeah. Riker's job is to handle the, the crowd control, the, you know, like run interference kind of thing. Yeah. All the, uh, like, I really feel like, uh, everyone on, like, all the kids in the Enterprise sort of view Bill as, like, their, like, the sort of the big brother type thing, or, like, the cool uncle. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why, you know, he likes Wesley, because he likes everybody. Because someone has to. Well, yeah, and the guy who likes everybody. But, I mean, that feeds into what I was saying, what I've been saying about Riker, which is, yeah, he's a horn dog, but he's just so amiable. Like, he likes everybody, and that just sort of extends to the, you know, sexy times. Yeah, exactly. Which is like, of course, know. people want to have sex with sex with him. Look at him. Yeah, he's great. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So your bad thing? And my bad thing is uh, the Magrathians or whatever the hell they're actually called are really, really stupid people. Yeah, they are. And that makes them really hard to take seriously as a threat. Like, as soon as you find out that they can't work their own technology, any suspense goes right out the window. I actually buy Wesley helping out this time because, of course, he would. I would, and I've killed like three computers in the last year. Yeah, you've killed more computers than Strong Bad. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there. I mean, we've seen this so many times. We've seen the computer that runs the planet to the point where the people don't know where it came from, and yeah, it's like okay, I get it, and it is a cool idea. I still maintain that that's a cool idea, but enough already. We've seen it. We know. Also, they call it the custodian, which makes it sound like Scruffy runs the place. <laughs> they do, and then and then what? Oh, and then at some point they mentioned the progenitors, which sounded like janitor, and that didn't help. <laughs> So you got the custodian built by the janitors. <laughs> Scruffy, the progenitor. Yeah. So yeah, you go in its closet and there's a there's a mop. A <laughs> wash bucket. Yeah. <laughs> the planet is run by custodian. That's not good. <laughs> no, these people and and I, I we have this all a the, lot. Oh, go ahead. All the custodians I've met, yeah, I can understand. I can understand why the Enterprise would be will, unwilling to give them its children. Yeah. No. Leave, leave leave our kids alone, please. <laughs> hey there, little boy. <laughs> the, Never the, seen a wash bucket. <laughs> you're gonna make Chris Page cry. Um, <laughs> the the thing is, and I'll say this again and again because this happens a lot, even in in Next Gen's better seasons. What are these people thinking? Do you really think I'll take their children and everything will be fine? Yep. Like, do you really think? Oh, they'll get over it. We're just taking their children. No, come on. What's wrong with you? And Next Gen does this repeatedly where they try to give 
the antagonist some kind of a, a a valid perspective that just doesn't work. Like we didn't think you'd have a problem with us murdering yeah. all your firstborn. Like I actually, I actually, when you this episode started, you made a point about how uh, they look like homeschool kids almost. Well, the 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 two main people, the Deep Throat and um, the chick that played. Um, Sue Ellen Mischke on Seinfeld. Yes. Who then went on to be a desperate housewife. Um, they they had this very sort of wholesome, naive look to them, and they did sort of have that, that homeschool winner vibe to them. Yeah. What, what's the deal here? Like, but once you said that, it sort of made the episode make a lot more sense to me. Like, these are people who have no idea what the hell they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, they've never socialized with other planets. They've deliberately cloaked their planet for years. Yeah. I like that angle. I like, at the beginning, they're, they're, they're all excited. And I like that angle of Picard, and they that's one of the things they hold on to in the better seasons, which is mm. he gets excited. Like, this this kind of ties into his archaeology thing. He gets excited yeah. about this mythical planet that everyone's talked about for years, but no one's ever found. And we found it, and come on up here, number one. This is exciting. Like, I like that. Yeah. And I, I in general, I like the idea that there's a missing planet that's sort of like Atlantis. Like, that's a cool idea. They just, the payoff is terrible. But, mm. but the setup is cool. Um, <laughs> The other thing was... They, they they beam onto the ship, and they ask for the children, and they offer to pay for them, or I don't remember what, whatever. Presumably with flowers. Yeah. And then uh, Picard says, no, because no, they're human beings. We don't sell human beings anymore. That's wrong. For once, that's not a shut-up future man moment. That's a sensible yeah. thing. Yeah. And so they leave, and then all the children disappear. And I think whoever wrote this episode meant for us to wonder... Like, if it was a mystery or something. Like, well, no, it's obvious. Whoever just came on looking for the children took the children. What a a strange coincidence. These people come around trying to get our children, and then the children just vanish? Yeah. What are are the odds, really? That's that's really unlikely. Yeah. Okay, so my good thing um, pretty much is consistent with my observations of season one, which is uh, a lot of the effects are a lot cooler than I remembered. When they go into the big generator room and they got the, the giant thing that's causing all the radiation that's the problem, uh, it looks neat. That's it. It's a neat yep. design. It's simple. It's basic. It's like a, a big rectangle, basically, but it looks neat. Uh, and it's it, it looks, you know, the, the people look tiny next to it. Like, it's a good uh-huh. Um, and it's composited well. That, that's pretty yeah. much it. Like there's some, of, there's actually a lot of decent effects in this one. There is. Some of the sets are kind of lazy. It looks like they clearly redressed parts of the Enterprise. Yeah. But no, the actual like the the um, the computer, the, the custodian. Yep. Actually, looks all right. Looks better than any custodian I've ever met. Let's put it that way. <laughs> We're gonna get a lot of letters from janitors this week. Well, we do have a, a our, our demographics do skew janitor wise. <laughs> A lot of people listening to the show. Our, our demographics say a lot of people listen to the show while, while they're mopping. So, uh, Dear Post Atomic Horror, I was cleaning out the turlets and listening to your episode. <laughs> um, plus, in the future, I believe we've evolved beyond janitors. Well, yeah. In the future, uh, all janitorial work will be done by Roombas. Obviously. Um, but, but Until the DJ Roomba uprising. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like so many things in, you know, in season one... The whole thing, you know, my, the only good thing I really have to say is visually, it's better than I expected. Looks pretty mm-hmm. cool. It's a sci-fi yeah, show, a, and they at least gave it some, some, you know, some effort. Yeah, there's a nice scene with, uh, like, some, some nice 3D graphics when uh, one of the kids is working with one of the adults on something. Yeah. Some nice geometric shapes floating around. Yeah, it looks like very love. crude early CG, but it looks pretty cool. And you were talking about how the um, the uh, make sculpting easier, Ray, 
looked pretty good. Yeah, there was a there was a neat effect mm-hmm. where the kid just sh- you know uh, shined a, a a beam over some wood, <laughs> and what came out was some uh, you know a car a fully carved thing that looks neat to me. Yep. So that's about it. And my bad thing is, uh, well, if I'm going with a visual thing, uh, the bad thing is everyone's horrible matching outfits. Like, all of the, all of the couples on this like wore the same clothes. Yeah, and and had a sort of similar look. Like each couple looked similar. Like yep. it, was, it was very much the the Millhouse's parents thing. <laughs> where okay, well, obviously if they're married, they look the same. What? I don't want Millhouse having pizza two days, <laughs> two times in one day. <laughs> I don't want to see the menu ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Can I borrow a feeling? <laughs> that's you. You look like a jerk. <laughs> uh, so, I sleep yeah. in a race car. Do you? I sleep in a big bed with my wife. And then this episode just descended into Simpsons quotes. Well, listen. When we're watching these things together, and <laughs> there's just not much going on, then we're gonna we're gonna entertain ourselves. Oh God, yes. And we kind of had to here. It yep. Just, there wasn't much going on. We'd seen this basic plot before. This was like they took all those episodes of the original series where the computer was ruling the, the planet and all those episodes where there were children and there's like two or three of those and just sort of mixed and matched them. Yep. It just was not great. And it was dull. It wasn't bad. Like when we, you know, when we get to the end of all this and we say, okay, which were the absolute worst episodes? We won't remember this because it was completely unmemorable. Yep. This is the Mark of Gideon of uh, TNG. Which one was that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, and I, I think this is going to be a very short show because the other one's like that, too. There's just not much to say this week. No, the other one is just annoyed grumbling. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, do you have anything just, further about this one before we No, let me, just, uh, let me just do my quote. All right. Uh, this one is the awkwardness of Picard gets hugged. Hello, Alexandra. Hi. Yeah, that was... That was at least fun, and, and you're actually missing something with the visual. I haven't decided on what the cover art is, but hopefully yeah. I can maybe scare up a picture of him awkwardly hugging a child, if nothing else. Yep. Uh, uh, yes, hello. Uh, mo- moving on to mine, uh, which is called Home Soil. Uh, well, my summary basically is, um, remember when we did Devil in the Dark, which was the Horda episode? Um, just see that summary. That's it. I'm not doing one for this one because we've already yep. done that one. It's, it was and then just scrape the out anything interesting that happened in that one. Yeah, exactly. No, this is um, – I mean, I seriously didn't write a summary because I honestly could not think of – It was. it's exactly the same fucking plot. Only instead of a silicon-based life form, it's the little beams of light that, that eventually form like a computer. Yeah, it's just – Which oh, isn't as cool as it sounds. It's They're on a mining planet and the miners ignore the obvious evidence that there is something alive and – they try to cover it up while continuing to terraform, and then the thing comes alive, and they communicate with it, and it says, no kill I, and we've seen this one before. <laughs> yep. Seriously. And, uh, it, it's, it, and this episode just dragged. About two hours <laughs> into this episode, we looked at the clock, and there were still 20 minutes left. Well, yeah, I, th- because I'm watching these digitally, I have the um, the little iTunes thing at the bottom that says how much time has elapsed and how much time there's left. And every now and then I would say to Matt, I can't believe there's 28 minutes left of this. And every time he would say, what? <laughs> and then uh, half an hour would go by and I said, I can't believe there's 26 minutes left to this. And, you know, I mean, just that that should have been our quote of the episode because yep. nothing happens. I mean, okay, you got Donald Pleasance who 
I only vaguely know his name because Matt pointed out that he's the guy from Puma Man. Yep. But I know he's a distinguished actor who's been in a lot of uh, stuff Excuse me, time. Puma Man. Oh, yes, he flies like a moron. Um, <clears throat> who's basically just when an old he man. Find love? <laughs> he's, a, he's an old man who frowns all the time. And he has this permanent sort of put him, you know, no. said. I didn't know about the evil. Yeah, and then you got uh, Mark Hamill's stunt double with hockey hair. Yep. Whom I will sure, I'm looking forward to working with you, Mr. Picard. <laughs> whom I will uh, henceforth refer to as Mark Hamill's stunt double with hockey hair. <laughs> no, he, um, it, it's clear that in, by 1987, they weren't doing that next Star Wars movie. And he's like, well, fuck, now what do I do? <laughs> and so, oh, next gen, okay, I'll do that. Um yeah, and then you had the chick who we both thought looked familiar, and we looked her up, and the most interesting thing IMDb could say is she's Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, okay. My my good thing for this episode is when the, uh, the, the little points of light that eventually become a, a life form that's able to communicate with them uh, starts talking um, through, the, through the translator. That, that part was actually kind of neat. They start communicating with the universal translator. But, I mean, again, yeah. it's exactly like the Horda. Just, you know, with a different cast and slightly different alien. But basically the same thing. Uh, but it refers to them as ugly bags of mostly water. I, I is, like that. That's pretty good. Because these things aren't carbon-based. They're not biological. They they look at us and they say, ugh. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, you're wet and you move around and that's gross. Exactly. Also, they sound like Daleks. Well, that's just because they're coming through the translator, and uh, uh, shouldn't they sound like Machel Barrett, then? You would think so, right? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, and my bad thing was, oh my god, so slow, just Ugh. on and on and on until the break of dawn. Ugh. What are you and got? even at the break of dawn, I was looking at the clock going, really? There's still 26 minutes, huh? Ugh. All right, what about you? Ugh, mine just... Ugh. All right, my good thing is that lady looks kind of sort of attractive in that jumpsuit, I guess. In a Sue Ellen Mishki? Yeah, no. Um, oh, right, the other one. See, I, the, these two are kind of running together for me. Oh, the yeah. Hawaiian lady. Yeah. Yeah, she was. She in was a right sort looking. of kind of unattractive way. Uh-huh. And my bad thing was, oh, my God, so much explaining. There was so much exposition. And the thing is, this episode was slow as it is. If you took the exposition yeah. out, literally nothing would happen. But, but, like, they spend 20 minutes telling you what terraforming is. That should just be, did you see aliens? Good. I See, I don't even think aliens. I think it's a sci-fi staple. I think if, yeah. you, if you can say the word android and people know what it means, I, I also think they probably know what terraforming means. Like it's Yes. That, it's that basic level of science fiction concept that most people know what, what it is. Yeah, just, it, we're making a planet. Yeah, we're making remember a habitable the Den- planet out of an inhabitable planet. And, remember the you know. remember the Genesis device? That's this, only harder. Yeah, the hard way, because Kirk's little weenie son cheated, and we can't do it the easy way anymore. Ugh. Um, the, the thing is, they kept treating it like it was this incredible thing. Ooh, terraforming. You guys are doing miracles. I just assume the Federation is spreading out everywhere. Like, they're colonizing, yeah. they're, for, they're terraforming. I assume this is happening at the fringes of the frontier everywhere. Like, there's yeah. 50 planets being terraformed as we speak because that's what humans are doing. They're out colonizing, and if the planet doesn't fit, then they make it fit. And it's not a miracle. It should be a commonplace thing, I would think. Yeah. So... Apparently the Federation still isn't sure how magnets work either. I guess. Maybe they're all juggalos. Maybe that's it. Ugh. That, <laughs> this that. is indeed a most disturbing future. No, I was trying to think that all the way through, and there's there's no possible way. No. 
There's absolutely no. The way. last Juggalo died out in 2022. <laughs> We've evolved beyond your need for human Juggalos. Well, thank <laughs> for that. keep talking, future man. In this case, I'm happy to hear it. No, it's like they just gave them a planet. Yeah, Juggalo Six, which then destroyed itself. No, then they forced it to cloak like that other planet. <laughs> no one wants to look at you. Yeah, just here, just have your have your thing and just go 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 on. And the uh, the cloak works with magnets, so uh, they're protected. Yes. They're safe. No one will ever know how it works. <laughs> so what? I mean, seriously, I, and I know it's a bit of a cop out for me not to do a summary, but we've really talked about everything there is, and there's just nothing in this episode. Yeah, at all. It, <sighs> it's five minutes of plot, and four and a half minutes of that are are explaining, you know, exposition. That's it. It just. Uh, it just uh. It's, it's really frustrating. I can't even really get mad about it because there's just nothing here. No, again, it's boring. And again, we're going to look back and say, which one was that? Ugh. It's just, usually when we get one of these boring episodes, there's, you know, there's something like the other one, the other pa- in the pair is something mm. interesting, either great or terrible or something. I, it's very rare that we get two really boring episodes in a row. And yeah, not only boring, but these two in particular are so just obviously ripped from the original series. And, like, even with a boring episode, we can usually find something to latch on to, like Mr. Hengis or... No, there was nobody, like, amusing enough or strange enough. There was no joke that occurred to us that made it more bearable. Like, there was no combination of things that we could create to, to say, okay, this is okay. It just this wasn't. is... It, it was just nothing. Home Soil is actually a fairly good d- title for this episode because it's like dirt. Boring yeah. as. Yep. That's pretty much it. I mean, I like the idea that there's aliens that aren't humanoid. I, no. I'm well on the record as saying I love strange aliens that aren't people with bumps. Mm-hmm. But do something more with it. I mean, they declare war on Picard, which is kind of cool, and then it's over in, like, five seconds. Yeah, because Picard tortures them. Yeah, he's like, okay, I'll take away your air. What do you think of that? Okay, we don't have war anymore. Oh, God. We're sorry. That's... That's it. That's pretty much it. But, you know. I also, uh, there's also a thing which, like, okay, I get Star Trek that the idea is that the galaxy's teeming with life. Otherwise, it's a boring show. I get that. Yeah. But really, every single time we try to colonize a planet, there's already life there. That seems unlikely to me. That seems really stretching the premise, I think. Yeah. It's not hard to find dead planets, guys. No, we're fine. Now that we can see planets, like, now that we have the, the science now in the early 21st century to see planets... I'm sure most of the ones we're seeing don't have life on them because that's just, you know. Mm-hmm. Like none of the nine or I guess eight planets in our uh, solar system have life except this one as far as we know. Or Pluto. Yeah. I don't know. By the time this goes out, maybe Pluto will be a planet. Again, that's the thing. It keeps going back and forth. <laughs> so, yeah. But really, I mean, there's uh, that concept was cool. The, the idea that these guys were, you know. We're there, but that's it. Like, there's yeah. no story. The, none of the characters matter. Like, none of the, no. the miners were pretty, particularly distinctive or interesting. There was no character stuff going on with the guys we know. Yeah, there was almost like there's the bones of a decent plot here. Yeah. You know, like the, play up what, the play up the murder mystery angle. That was something. That yeah, that was over almost immediately. Um, yeah. No, the thing is, you take a concept like this, and then on top of that, you build some kind of a character drama. That's how you write a TV episode. And mm-hmm. first you have a concept, and the, or, you know, first you have the drama, whatever, whichever one comes first. But you mix the concept with 
some character drama. And there was none of that. Nobody had any particular arc or conflict or anything. Everyone just, just reacting to what happened and what happened was nothing. Yep. It was just from a dramatic standpoint, this, this is like a treatment of an episode that just got shot before they actually wrote a script. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like to me. Actually, this might have been another victim of the uh, writer's strike now that I think about it. That's possible. I know the writer's strike came somewhere around this time. Maybe they couldn't write it in the draft. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I, they obviously didn't put much effort into the episode, so I refuse to put much effort into summarizing it. Sounds good. I also, I mean, we have 178 episodes in this series, and I, I swear to you, Matt, and to the listeners, this is the, the one and only time I will not write a summary. I won't I won't uh, cop out like this again. I feel kind of <laughs> bad about that. Uh, but, you know, it's the end of the year. The episode was lame. And, you know, and at the end of the day, fuck it. Yeah, exactly. Just fuck it. We've really covered all the salient points, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else? Uh, I don't think so. All right. Um, you want to do your quote? Yeah, my quote was actually a fun little sort of vaudeville moment where, where uh, Data and Warfare at the computer, and this happens. But is it alive? Probability positive. I wasn't asking you. Which, kind of dumb, but it made me laugh. So. Yep. There you go. All right, so as we said, this is uh, the last show of the year. Um, you know what, Matt? It, mm. <laughs> this, this episode is running incredibly short. Yep. As I look at the uh, as I look at the timer, and it doesn't say we have 28 minutes left. <laughs> no, we're, like, we're, we're not even what? at the half hour mark. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, why don't we answer some mail? It is the that end of like the year. That sounds like a good idea. We yeah. don't have quite enough to do a whole supplemental episode yet, but we, we this one's running a little short, so let's uh, let's certainly add out the episode mail. a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Plus, you know, people wrote us mail, and I, I feel bad that they have to wait six months to, to hear an answer. So True. Uh, let's take care of that right now, because we have like I think three pieces of mail in here. All right, all right. The first one comes from Flonk, who you actually will be hearing on this show in a couple of weeks. He's making his first appearance on on this show. No, second appearance. He did a movie with us. Yes, he did. First episode appearance. Um, he says, Flunk to post-atomic horror. So Kyle is dead, right? Because the last time we saw him was on the Reliant. And if Khan didn't kill him and the rest of the crew right then and there, did he die at the end when we blew up, when he blew up the ship? Flunk out. Um, I, I don't know, because, I mean, Kyle's mustache didn't really foreshadow his death, did it? No, I don't remember that at all. If that were true, then his mustache would have shaped the skull or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like... You know, not everyone died in the battle with Khan by any means. Like, some of the cadets died, but uh, if Kyle and was there were for carried the battle, to the bridge. Yeah, why not? Let's bring a corpse up here. Now, this is just making me sad thinking about the original crew, because we haven't gotten to any good next-gen yet, so I just... Yeah. I still miss those guys. Come and back, I, Kirk. And the thing is, I, you know, we both know this show has uh, cumulatively more great episodes in it than the original series did. Yep. They're but coming. Now, we haven't have seen them. have to believe yet. that. Well, I mean, I, I plotted out next year. Like, I was looking at, okay, we're only doing two episodes per show, so it's going to be really easy to, to map out our episodes now. And I just I, I drew up a little thing for next year, which guests are coming on when and so forth. Mm-hmm. And we got a week coming in season three that is going to be, like, the best thing we've ever done. It's nice. uh, yesterday's yesterday's Enterprise and uh, The Offspring, which is the one with Data's daughter. Oh, nice. And that's just two really powerful emotional episodes Really good concepts, really interesting, added to the tapestry of the series. Like, they both do everything Star Trek did really well. Uh-huh. Both together. And that's, you know, keep keep your eye on that as we make our way through things like When the Bow Breaks and Home Soil. Ugh. 
And uh, and just remember that one you know one week here, not too long from now, we're gonna have yesterday's Enterprise and the Offspring, and that's gonna be an amazing week. Just keep heading for that. Yeah, that's just keep that keep your eye on that. We got, we got a lot through. of good stuff coming for us. Yeah. All right. Next one comes from Jackson. All right. And he says, "Dear Pa Wraiths, I like that. I don't <laughs> think I've heard that one before. That's pretty good." Uh, was there any in-canon explanation for why the culture on Earth changed so dramatically between the time of the original series and Next Gen? Yes, I know the real reason is the lack of studio interference in the first-run syndication market of the 80s allowed Gene complete control to spout his liberal utopian ideology. But in Kirk's time, they used money or credits to purchase things. Well, not by the movies, but all right. Uh, human characters actually had conflicts with other human characters and resorted to dirty deeds like getting people framed for murder. And they still believed in, presumably, the Judeo-Christian god. Was there some sort of communist revolution between the 23rd and 24th century? Was there a skirt-wearing human philosopher like Surak who managed to unite the warring Earth factions and convince everybody to be bland and inoffensive? Did war with the Cardassians turn humans into a bunch of pansies? Or, like so many things in the post-TNG Star Trek universe, will I have to be satisfied with a ham-fisted and completely unnecessary retcon in an episode of Enterprise? <laughs> By the way, I've been watching Deep Space Nine on Netflix, and I love it. It's so different from TNG, but it makes it has so much of what makes Star Trek so awesome. I can't wait for you guys to get done with TNG so you can talk about it. Thank you so much for recommending it. Yeah, no kidding. Listen, uh, if, yours, it, if, hang, if... He signs it, yours in the spaceship god of the sex planet. <laughs> yeah, um... Deep Space Nine, I mean, we're, we're both on record as saying that is, that is our absolute favorite. Yeah, DS9 Trek. is absolutely the best Trek In available. So many ways. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> we have so long before we can get there. What's frustrating is, yes, it is on Netflix streaming in, in America right now, and I'm watching a lot of people watching it and yep. getting really jealous. Yeah, we're not allowed. Well, I, I we are. I mean, we could if we really wanted to, but I kind of like not. No, I, I, I want like to. I, I want to be able shot. to come in back into DS Nine after like a long time. Yeah, and after the the experience of continuously experiencing the original series and then next gen, like yeah. naturally taking it in its own context without any kind of interference whatsoever. Right. Like um, as far as what happened to Earth, I don't know. I, we never really went to Earth. We went to Starfleet Academy, but that was it. Yeah. Like I think, and I think that was deliberate. I remember when the DS9 episode um, where they were worried about changelings on Earth mm -hmm. when that one came out, and I, they were making a really big, like I remember reading the behind the scenes stuff. They were ma they made a really big deal out of we'd never seen city streets on Earth before. We'd never seen what everyday life on Earth was like. Like we've been to the Picard farm, yep, and we've been which, to Starfleet Academy, which and I think because that's it. because P Picard is Picard looks incredibly old fashioned. But you know, I be I still believe that places in Europe would have maintained the the classical, you know, oh sure, like old school traditional look. I that that didn't feel out of place to me at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now they look a thousand years old, so why wouldn't they in three hundred more years? That, yeah, that exactly. Makes sense to me. Well, let's just replace all this with hovercrafts. Yeah, but we've never seen and, until that point in DS Nine, as I recall, and I may be wrong. If, if somebody wants to correct me, feel free. But mm. I'm pretty sure we've never actually just seen casual. Here is a street. Here is a restaurant. Here is where people live. You know, here is how they live. Yep. I, so I, I don't think we ever saw that in the original series either. Like, you just you never really got an idea of what Earth was like. We just heard it was a paradise, and that was it. Mm -hmm. So for all we know, all that communist stuff could have been going on all along. Yeah, easily. Who knows? I mean, obviously, some kind of. And, you know, I don't want to get actually political, but obviously, some kind of socialist thing happened because clearly. All the resources are distributed to all the people. Yep. 
there don't appear to be corporations like we you know a lot of a lot of the inherent trappings of capitalism appear to be gone i feel like um no, we didn't really have replicators in the original series, right? We had a kind of replicator that could sort of make that weird processed square food. Right. I, I actually don't think we have replicators in next gen yet. Hmm. We we haven't seen someone go and ask for food and have food materialize, have we? I don't – not that I know of. Like we have the holodeck, which is supposed to work on the same principles. I mean but it, I, I'm willing to believe that if we have the holodeck, we probably have replicator technology. I just It's interesting to me, and obviously the real reason is the writers either haven't thought of it yet or haven't incorporated it into the show yet, mm-hmm. but it's interesting to me that maybe the replicators weren't fully functional or weren't, like, invented yet, or, you know what I mean? Like, maybe they weren't usable until uh-huh. later in the series. Like, maybe the technology's still being, you know, ironed out. See, my best, like, that that's pretty much my best theory for the, the changes between original series and next gen. Was somewhere in that 70-year bridge, the replicators became standard issue, and we no longer needed money. Well, yeah, because if you can replicate as much food as you ever need, then, you know, you mm-hmm. don't need to worry about hunger anymore. Yeah. If you can replicate basic parts of machines, then you can basically make any, like... I read this somewhere. If you can manufacture simple tools, simple tools can make complicated tools. Complicated tools can – I think it was Terry Pratchett actually talking about yeah. dwarfs. What, like simple tools make complicated tools. Complicated tools make everything. Yeah. And then you're set. Yeah. And and it feels like, yeah, once you have replicators, once you have the power to make uh, unlimited matter from energy, and then on top of that, once you have the technology to generate energy pretty much at will mm-hmm. – because the problem right now is if you invented a replicator today, you'd have to power it. And we don't have, you know, clean fusion or any anything to create that much power, you know, without oil or something like that. Right. So you'd have to solve that problem too. But once you did, yeah, you could just make anything you want always. So, yeah, you're right. Once that happens, you don't need money anymore. You don't, mm. like, all the resources are infinitely renewable. Yeah. I seem to recall, I think it might have been O'Brien talking about how his house didn't want a replicator that his parents wanted to make real food. But that implied that replicators in the home were a thing that existed. Yeah, but O'Brien is, what, 40 in uh, TNG? Yeah, let's say that. Or by DS9, anyway. Yeah. yeah. I could, nah, so I could still see replicators being a, like a relatively new thing when he was a kid. Well, I'm, not even, I'm not even necessarily talking about the timeline of them. What I'm saying is... He he sort of confirms that they're not just available to the military. Right. That they're something you can have in your home. Like yeah. your house could have a replicator, which means that technology is in the hands of anyone who wants it. Yeah. So it's it, it really is sort of a freed up. And you're right. Once once you have that, it feels like, well, what's the point of people owning stuff? Because you can just have whatever you want. Yeah. And uh, fighting over land is stupid because we got the whole galaxy. Yeah. And we could just terraform the places we can't live. Assuming nothing's because living there. Because it's miraculous. Yeah, it's a miracle. Um, but, but uh, yeah, really, I mean, all the all the problems are basically fixed. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it might not have been a political thing so much as just a, a practical thing, like you say. The, the technology came about and that's, you know, that was it. Yeah, so no, I, I can see that, like, in a, you know, it, we haven't seen much of the era between original series in uh, TNG, but I imagine somewhere in there Earth got replicators and it was a big deal. Yeah, I imagine so. And it would cool, getting paid. What's cool about replicators is you can... 
you can see the seeds for that technology already in the original series. Like some writer just looked at the, you know, how the technology was supposed to work and said, wait a minute, why do you need, like, why would the transporter, why would you need to scan something in to, to beam it? Why don't you just have the pattern stored and beam it in, you know, why don't you store the pattern for a burger mm -hmm. and then just beam yourself infinite copies of a burger? Yeah. Easy. Yeah. So, I mean, but it's a cool, you know, whoever, whoever figured that out said, we already have the, the tools here. Why don't we create this new thing? Yeah. It's a neat idea. They're actually, in one of the, the original series books, might have been Spock's World, talked about how the, whoever's in charge of the ship stores, like their, their supply guy, had, did that. Had, like, the patterns stored for, like, you know, uh, beer. Yeah. And would just beam out the beer when they wanted it. So it was yeah, sort I think of I remember that now, yeah crude version of a replicator, which I mm. thought was a neat idea. Neat. Yeah. All right, one more question comes from our old pal, Duh, and he says, remembering O'Brien from Deep Space Nine, it's kind of nice to see the progression of him in the first season. How much more of him will we see in the coming seasons? Um, I, I don't actually know. I think he gets a name in season two. Yeah. What's nice is we were talking to our friend Ed, um, who had asked me for next-gen um, episode recommendations. And I just, I looked at some titles that I remembered and I said, watch this one and this one, and this one. And as it turns out, a lot of those are O'Brien episodes because I fucking love that guy. Yep. And he's like, did you just give me all the O'Brien episodes and do I now have to watch Deep Space Nine to see more of him? Because I love him. Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it's interesting if you watch them in order because you can totally see the producers falling in love with Cole Meany as, as Chief O'Brien. Because first he gets a name. Then he gets more of a part in the background. Then he gets episodes. Then he gets the power. Then he gets the he, women. Yes. And then, then like, gradually he becomes, like, I think he had, like, a subplot in season three or four where he was meeting his horrible wife and marrying yep. her. I, but then we meet his old captain and there's whole episodes about him. And then they're like, this guy's great. He needs his own show. And while other cool stuff was going on on Deep Space Nine, I like to think of it as the O'Brien spinoff show. Yep. So... Yeah, we're, we're going to be seeing a lot more of him on Next Gen, fortunately. I can think of one episode in particular that focuses on him and his old captain and uh, their prejudices against uh, the Cardassians, which is great. Yep. But that's not until, I think, season three or four. So Something to look forward to. Yeah. Again. Uh, right Right now, he's just milling about in the background. It's the, it's the same thing as uh, Jonathan from Buffy, where you, you watch early episodes and you see him in the background and you know one day he's going to be a character, but not yet. Right now, he's just the dude in the tower. Actually, it's not just, even the dude in the tower yet. No, they just call him Khan. Yep. Which is a little weird. <laughs> I, have All a, right. I have a name, you know. I mean, it's not hard to remember. I'm here every week. <laughs> I'm the one with the curly hair. Wow. We need to work on our O'Briens. Clearly. That's uh, going to be a real problem when we get around to DS9. I think we'll probably have it by then. <laughs> All right. Start working uh, on your, our Bashirs then. <laughs> Anything more? Any any additional? Do we have any business? Any kind of things we need to tell people? Any kind of anything? Um, have an awesome two weeks while we're gone. Yeah, we're we're gone for the holidays, and then we'll be back first of the year and uh, two episodes a week indefinitely yep. until next December, anyway. Um, and we'll be doing the usual uh, video summaries of each season. So yep. So look nice. forward to that at the end Pull of the uh, season again. one. Yeah, that's not too far from now. Um. Apart from that, um, that's all. Yeah. Tell them your thing, Matt. See you, folks.
Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2011. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this for fun. <laughs>